It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition, the free edition, and I'm glad it's free because I don't know if I necessarily would want you guys having to pay for this one. Uh, Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama, Painter Sharpless and Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. What's up, dude? Well, uh, it's not great for Auburn football, and for a lot of you listening to this podcast, this is going to be a very painful one. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate those of you who do subscribe um, and uh, and read, uh, because we've got a lot to discuss, and pretty much none of it is good from Auburn football. Penn State 41, Auburn 12. I'm just going to give you a few stats off the top. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen these already, possibly. I'm going to underscore them again, or if you're at them in the observations as well. 29 points is Auburn's worst home loss in Jordan-Hare Stadium since the 2012 season. Penn State averaged 7.69 yards per per play on Saturday against Auburn. That is the worst defensive performance for Auburn against any team not named Alabama since the 2012 season. Uh, what was the other one? Auburn turned the ball over four times. This is from Nathan King at 247. Auburn turned the ball over four times. That is the worst against a Power 5 team in a game since 2012. I'm sure there have been multiple other comparisons you can make to 2012 for Auburn since then. But here's the reality. Things don't change very, very quickly for Auburn. And there's not a whole lot of confidence that there's gonna do it's gonna do that if you saw what everyone else saw on Saturday. Things are heading in a very, very, very bad direction. Peter, I, I I keep going back to this more than anything else. Year one for Brian Harson, they go to Penn State. They don't play a good game, but they lose by a single possession, they lose by eight to Penn State. A year later, in year two. At home, in a big game environment, and that environment was great, fantastic. One of the one one of the strongest ones uh, you're going to get, especially in a game that doesn't involve Georgia or Alabama. Auburn was three touchdowns worse off for it, and I mean, there's no other way to put it. This thing is heading in the wrong direction. I think the first couple of weeks, well, the the five game losing streak last year. You could say, okay, well, there was the Bo Nix injury and 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 you know the fourth quarter mishaps. It was like Auburn, Auburn lost, and that's what that was the most important thing. But like it was, you know, there there was context. There was there was you could at least explain away some of it. The first two games of the year, they don't cover the spread against Mercer, and then they look even worse against San Jose State and and scrape by with a, a very non impressive win, unimpressive win, I should say. And then against Penn State in your first big opportunity, you get dominated at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. It's just, there's no other way to put it. You're going backwards. And it's one game, and it's a non-conference game on top of that. So, like, you can talk about the value, really. Like, very extreme example of this, but, like, look at Oregon. You know, they go and get, get absolutely housed by Georgia in week one. They get a really big win uh, yesterday against against BYU. Again, they're they're both non conference games there, but like you can turn it around and get better. Auburn didn't play Georgia yesterday. They played Georgia in a few weeks. 
They played Penn State, and, and Penn State's a, Penn State's looking like a good football team if they play the way they did yesterday. But still, man, like it's it's bleak. It is a bleak outlook for Auburn, and they've got time to turn around. But like it is, it is going to be really, really hard to do so based on what they look like in their first challenge against a team with equitable talent on on Saturday. And I just again, like I keep, I keep going back to the fact that they were three touchdowns worse the second time around in their own building against Penn State. Like, that that says a lot. I don't know if you really need to point to anything more than that when it comes to, oh, this is this is in a very bad spot for Auburn right now. Normally the first big test of the year is always a lot of fun, a lot of nervous energy. You know, all that off-season nine months of waiting, and it's like, all right, are we going to get the euphoria or are we going to find out quickly that it's not our year? And what was different about this loss than most years, that one's always a very crushing, defeating loss. I was just like, well, what did you really expect? I, You know, the thing with, the thing with Auburn in this game, I thought at home in a big-game environment, uh, the litmus test usually is if Auburn has a decent team or has the potential to be a decent team, they put up a good fight at home in big games, right? And and they've overcome bad performances in the past. But I think, like, you know, there have been some bad offensive games Auburn's had. You know, the, the pass protection in this game was very uh, similar to the 2017 game at Clemson where, like, Auburn could not do anything on offense. Uh, because they were giving up a lot, but that was Clemson. That was a team that uh, went to the playoff and um, had several guys in the NFL on the on the defensive line. I think Penn State will have some NFL guys there. Maybe not to the level that Clemson did. I don't see Penn State as being a playoff team. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a completely different. And you were at home too, right? It wasn't like you had to deal with the crowd or like you were at home, and you got you got beat up like that at home in your own building. And it was on both sides of the ball, too. Because, like I said, the defense giving up that many yards per play against Penn State, like, early on, it could have been a lot worse. The turnovers Auburn had, uh, you know, they made some stops. They forced some, you know, they they forced some punts. They kept it within range. And then just the dam broke in the, in the third quarter where it was like, oh, no, this is over. This is over. Guys, I mean, there were bad fits running the ball in the red zone and then on the you know on the outside missed tackles were huge and your defense played one of its worst games really of the last decade against some to somebody not Alabama like not somebody not named Alabama and like i said that the that was the most they had given up against a non-Alabama team in yards per play since 2012 Texas A&M and I mean, give Sean Clifford credit, man. He played two really good games against Auburn, and I and I, I think he's a better quarterback than people give him credit for. Sure, yes, but he's not Johnny Manziel. I don't think he's winning the Heisman this year. And guess what? I know for a fact that Penn State does not have the talent that an Alabama team has had over the last decade. Now they've got some dudes, and we'll talk about that as well because there's a part of that 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 swings into focus here. But I mean, this was. It, it, both sides of the ball, Auburn got dominated. They looked like the they looked like the 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 weaker team at the line of scrimmage 
on both sides. Um, and I mean, it was. I think the I think another telling thing was the good things Auburn did on offense, Painter. It just seemed like they were like the quarterbacks were just having to make something happen. You know, uh, Tank Bigsby only had nine carries, thirty nine yards. That's not great. You know, Brian Harson said some of it was game. What explained it away as game state. I think that can I think they can explain some of it, but also he wasn't very effective when he touched the ball, and Jarquez Hunter wasn't either, and Demari Austin got one carry, and. I mean, Auburn's best running uh, Auburn's best running in this game was TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford scrambling. When you have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and you spend the whole week talking about or the whole offseason talking about how big those guys are going to be and they are not a factor in this game. Again, you can you can argue about volume, you can argue about all that other stuff, but like they were just ineffective. And James Franklin said it after the game. I was covering the game for AP. So I went to the winning team's uh, press conference and also because I knew I could get uh, all my Auburn stuff from from our college, from my colleagues and and they um, I'm very thankful for them that that you know we have a system where we can share audio and, and quotes and stuff like that. Um, James Franklin said it after the game. He said we had, we had to make a one dimensional. Our goal was to make T.J. Finley beat us, and it didn't happen. Finley made some good plays. Um, he made some. Very bad plays, and I think the same went for Robbie Asher. It's just nothing, nothing seemed to really work. And when a team can take you out of your identity that easily in your own in your own house, and then on the flip side, they can get into a point in the second half where they can just do whatever they want on 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 offense against you. You're going backwards. You're going backwards, and it's 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 fast. Like season one for Brian Harson. And you can talk about what he inherited and, and where Auburn is as a program and all that, the big picture stuff. Was it a championship contending team, right, already in the, to begin with? But, like, they play Missouri next week, and Missouri doesn't look very good either. But if you don't win that game, look around. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to win an SEC game. It, it just is, and that's that's tough. Now, on the flip side, it's college football. Everybody can look like they they suck at uh, you know at least <laughs> at least once a week. Uh, Arkansas messed around with Missouri State, although I believe that that was powered by just pure hatred. From, oh, from, <laughs> he from saw Petrino. that game on the schedule the day he was hired and started game planning in that moment. Yeah, he was just getting ready for that game. It, it, look, is it entirely possible that Auburn takes this one on the chin? and finds a way to pick themselves off the mat and have a respectable season after this, sure. But a lot has to change because what we saw on Saturday in your own house against a team that has a lot a talent level very similar to a lot of teams you're about to face in the SEC, and then, the, then there's the play, teams like Georgia who are far and away above that and Alabama who is far and away above that. <laughs> A ton has got to change very, very, very quickly. And, like, I think one of the problems is is that the first two weeks, some of the warning signs that Auburn had in the first couple weeks, when you put them against an actual Power 5 team, a team that recruits in the top 15 or even higher, in this case, levels, 
you get it. Those those get magnified and blown up, and then some other things start popping up. Auburn couldn't fit the run well, hardly. And like Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are good running backs. Like Singleton's gonna be a great running back, I think. But the missed tackles, the missed assignments, the it's just a lot of bad sloppy play. And it was bad sloppy play that you saw in week one, especially in week two. I mean, Auburn said it last weekend. Their players, their coaches said it last weekend. Like, we can't make these same mistakes against a team like Penn State. Well, you did, and you lose by 29 at home. And I don't know. I mean, this could just be just stream of consciousness rambling on and on, and that's not a good podcast. Well, it is if, if you're it is if you're Painter and Pablo and Dave, but not 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 for this format, I don't think. Um so we can get into like the actual specifics of it, but it's just Yeah, this was this was a this was real bad. This was really, really bad. And a lot of people are gonna break down like how how Auburn got here and, and what you know you know the blame to go around and it's I think it's everything. I think it's everything and everyone involved. Uh, you know, it's Arrest it's, them it's, all. It's all. <laughs> no, it's 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 part of it, man. Like I think when your team I think when your team regresses that badly against the same opponent in one year. Hey, like Brian Harson said it after the game. It comes down to coaching, comes down to him, it starts with him. He says all the things that the coach is supposed to say after your team plays that poorly, right? In terms of like, you know, getting it getting it done, getting it fixed, getting it corrected. And I think the other thing is if you want to go big picture here, Penn State looked better in this in Jordan Hare Stadium than they did against than they did in Beaver Stadium in a whiteout game against you. Auburn lost some pieces. Obviously Bo Nix is a big example. Bo having his big day against BYU probably didn't help anybody. Uh in the Auburn in the Auburn fan base. I'll also say this Behind that offensive line Auburn had yesterday, I don't know how much better Bo would have made it. It might have not been as bad, but I don't think I don't think the quarterback's going to give you a win when you get when you get thumped that badly. But I could be wrong. I'm I'm wrong about a lot. Look, man, I thought I thought Auburn's defense was going to be good this year. They have not looked good yet. Shows, shows you what I know. Uh, but I think I think the thing here to, to keep in mind is this: Penn State had a tough season last year. And they are trying to bounce back. We talked with Audrey about it in the premium podcast last week about the whole thing with James Franklin. But go and look in the box score from this Penn State game. There's a lot of true freshmen that contributed. Nick Singleton, like I said, five-star. Katron Allen, high four-star. They have dudes in the transfer portal. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley, uh, the, the wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Chop Robinson. Uh, one of their best defensive linemen yesterday was a, was a transfer portal guy. There's a lot of key pieces on Penn State's team this season that are new via recruiting and via the transfer portal, right? The problem is, especially when it comes to high school recruiting, you're not seeing that right now from Auburn. You're not seeing you're not seeing those that that level of uh, well, you make you're making a face at me. What just did something happen? No, I'm just. Okay. Stunned thinking about what this roster will look like in a year. Right. So so that's the thing. It's like you look ba- you look this bad on Saturday and 
like a lot of your a lot of your key players, a lot of your most talented players are, are draft eligible at this point, which is kind of the which is what the case is going to be a lot of times. But like Penn State had two true freshman running backs that played really had four touchdowns and 176 yards on you in your own house, and then after Sean Clifford, who has done pretty much whatever he's wanted against you, I know Clifford didn't have a huge game yesterday, but his his uh, his completion percentage and his yards per attempt were still pretty high. They throw in Drew Aller, who's another five-star, right? And so Penn State's got that forward momentum coming off of a bad season, and it's just the only thing that was going to fix Auburn's recruiting issues was winning. And you can talk about you can talk about the bad offseason, and you talk about the investigation, and you can talk about all the things that damaged Auburn and Brian Harson's tenure that happened earlier this year. Those are all valid, but I want to point something out here. Nothing that happened in February had anything to do with what happened on Saturday. The hay was in the barn. Your roster was your roster at that point. You had some transfers, sure, but like recruiting was done when everything <laughs> went. You know, high school recruiting was done. JUCO recruiting was done by the time all that went down earlier this year. That's going to damage you in the future. This is the team you had right now. And the team you it's the team you inherited, the guys you picked up along the way, and it, it didn't work. It it clearly did not it, it did not work against a really good or at least a quality Penn State team. We'll see how good Penn State is this year. I think the I think if they play it like they played on the line of scrimmage um on both sides, they'll win a good bit of games in the Big Ten. I also think especially when it comes to the offensive line Auburn's in a really bad spot. And, like, we knew those things were going to be the case. But it's just, like, you uh, offensive line, it's the recruiting, it's the development, it's years and years and years of buildup and all that. It hasn't gotten any better, right? You know, it hasn't gotten any better. And that's a, that's a problem. And then at quarterback, it's like every quarterback you have is the guy that you brought in. So... Those two very important positions that a lot of people are going to be pointing out this weekend. You know, you can talk about you can talk about what Brian Harson inherited. You can talk about what Gus Malzahn left him. It's not all on the previous staff, you know, because that's the thing. It's never as simple as it seems. At all. Oh boy. The Missouri game, not feeling good about that one. Got to, uh, got to share an office with the Missouri fan. It might be their time to shine. Yeah, it might. It, it, it just <laughs> might be. Who knows? Who's to say? Really, um, very impressed at how bad things have gotten. I guess we can. I guess we can kind of break it down in chunks here. Now that we're twenty minutes into this thing. Oh no! Let's. Where, where do you want to start? What was the one thing to you watching this game that you were like, "Oh wow!" Like that. That is that is that is really really bad, and maybe like a surprising level of bad from Auburn. I don't even know if it's surprising. It's actually a pretty familiar feeling for Auburn's offenses over the last ten years, for the most part, a couple notable exceptions. When you get down by two scores, and you're like, "Oh, this game's over." Because in reality, in today's game, 14-point uh, leads shouldn't be that big of a deal. Score, stop, score. You can do that in a couple of minutes. 
But when Auburn got down by two scores, I was like, how are we going to move the ball all the way down the field and get into the end zone? Yeah, uh, the offensive line. Just uh, I don't know who you would put back there to make things in any way significantly better. They're just in a, you're in a tough spot if you're working out of that backfield. I think my film room on Monday is going to be offensive line related. It's going to be definitely offense. Like defense, we'll get to defense. It was it was bad, but offense, the offensive line in this game. Just looking at PFF, it's like if your name's not Killian Zier, you had a rough one. You had a rough one out there. Uh, <laughs> in terms of pass protection, in terms of run blocking. Auburn got stacked up at the line of scrimmage a lot. They allowed a lot of penetration. Six sacks, 11 tackles for loss in this game. The pressures were unreal. Uh, There were more than a few times where Auburn players had to, I mean, Auburn quarterbacks had to deal with free rushers where nobody touched them at all. Not a one. You know, Manny, and, and, that was the thing. I, John Sam Shanker said after the game, they were twisting. They were doing a lot of aggressive stuff on defense, but it's like we knew that was coming. That's Dan, that's Manny Diaz. That's his style of defense. The book's out there on him. He's been coaching defense in, in college football for a long time. The, the pass protection, it's just like I, I want to go back and see, but like uh, Auburn's quarterbacks combined to throw for nearly 300 yards in this game. 21 to 38. I want to know how many of those plays were scramble drill throws. Because I think a significant amount of that that yardage came when Auburn when an Auburn quarterback was under pressure and had to do something with it. I mean, TJ Finley was under pressure more than half the time he dropped back to pass. More than half. Right? And Auburn's offense and its current construction uh, and this style is not built to do the, oh, well, we'll just take quick snaps and hit slants or spread them out. Like that, that's not, that's not what this team is recruited to do and built to do stylistically. Can they do that a little bit more? Sure. But like they want to run the ball because Tank Bigsby is your most talented player. They want to hit over the middle of the field. They want to use their tight ends. They want to, they want to stretch the field. They want to take shots. Like they don't want to nickel and dime you. And on top of that, it's just you couldn't get out of your own way at times. Like the take the two minute drill at the end of the second quarter. Auburn humming, few passes that they're clicked. They get to midfield. Shed Jackson fumbles the ball away. Now Auburn's defense stops them and prevents it from getting out of hand early. It just gets out of hand in the third quarter instead of the second quarter. And so it's a lot of this is just it goes back to obviously the five game losing streak. And there's been times of that this season, but like when Auburn plays a quality opponent here recently, it's just everything they're doing on offense looks like it's just so hard to do. And we are in an era of college football where offenses can be as free flowing as they've ever been. And these these places with these identities and these coaches with these with these identities can come in quickly and establish that. And there were times last season where Auburn moved the ball well on offense against good teams. There were times. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say they didn't have success. Bo Nix had a great month of October. And obviously, Bo Nix getting hurt changed a lot for, for the program uh, in, it, at the end of the season. But it's been a minute, and you can go back to the end of the Malzahn era as well. It's been a minute since Auburn's had an offense. It just it feels like it's just rolling on offense. 
and it doesn't need like it it's not just as strenuous as it is and a lot of that comes down to the fact that the line of scrimmage Auburn can't really establish a consistent enough running game um, against a against a team with equal or you know in, in a lot of cases even more talent up front the passing game is just it's just a lot of things are difficult you know we heard yesterday about guys running the wrong routes and and not doing the right things at wide receiver and at tight. It's just, it's everybody. It's everybody. And I think, I thought that TJ Finley and then Robbie Ashford in the in the second half did all right in trying to make something out of nothing. But you had to, you had to ask them to make something out of nothing way too many times. And this is Penn State. Heading into this game, Penn State's offensive line was not very good. And Penn State's defensive front had not really impacted the game as much in their first two weeks against Purdue and Ohio. And then they were they were all over the place uh, against Auburn. You just got whipped at the line of scrimmage by a team. And I'm not here to be like, oh, the Big Ten came in. Oh, you should be embarrassed. It's a Big Ten team doing that. Yeah, Penn State recruits and plays and acts like an SEC team. You know, they're not... This is this is not Indiana. This is not this is not Illinois. This is not Iowa. Like they 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 run things differently. I think the proof was the fact that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen drew Allen were out there for him. Um, but it's like that's the thing is that after a rough season last year, Penn State was able to reload and plug guys in, and their impact players and big big time players early on, and for Auburn. It's a lot of the same. There are some new pieces. There are some new faces. Like, for example, I think DJ James is one of the only players on defense that I, you thought, like, yeah, they had some good plays and, and like, showed up a little more often than not. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. He's speechless, the, folks. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't know, know what else to say other than, like, Yesterday was a really good example of like two programs that we talked about how similar they were and how their trajectories had been kind of similar recently. Although, you know, Franklin is a guy that obviously has been around for a while. They went out and fixed a lot of their problems, it looked like. And Auburn has not improved. And in some cases, you can say they've regressed. It's just I, I, I keep going back to 29 points at home to a team that you lost by eight to on the road a year earlier. And that's all you really need to say to say, like, what's going on right now. That's really it. And it's one game, and teams can have bad days, and they can bounce back from them. Um, you know, there are good teams. Auburn, there are good Auburn teams in the past that have had bad losses early in the season and then have rebounded from them. But we said this coming into the season. This was the national narrative, even if some of it was overblown. That was like, hey, if Brian Harson was going to survive at Auburn, it was going to be a heck of a heck of a uh, escape job from him. Like he was going to have to do a lot this season. Now that's even like this game right here makes it even more distinct. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you turn this around, and this is starting to already get. I mean, because I think the apathy this off season was something that was mentioned more than once here. In the 2012 season, I don't think the apathy set in quite this early. No, it, I, I don't think so either. I'm trying to think back to that. There's I mean, like I think the, losing to Mississippi State was an eye-opening loss that year. 
I, I keep going back to that that it was that week four when they almost beat well they almost beat LSU that weird game against mm-hmm. LSU it was twelve to ten was the final of that one, and then yeah the <laughs> everything came crashing down pretty soon after that. I, I it's better that you're playing Missouri this week than playing like Arkansas. Well, okay, uh, it's better than if you're playing them or Ole Miss. Like, what if you're playing Ole Miss next week? Well, that, Ole Miss looks just, like they're humming right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like how are you going to score enough points? I, to hang with some of these teams, yeah. No, that's even if I don't know what the defense, Ole Miss's defense is going to look like. The when, defense was bad. We need to talk more yeah, about the defense. Yeah. Like the defense was bad, but like if you have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, and you can't make your best rushing attack is guys running for their lives at quarterback to the point where like uh, you know. I made a big point about this yesterday. I made a big point about it in the in the observation, so I don't want to repeat everything, but, like, this game's about finishing drives. Getting yards is cool. Auburn, <laughs> for a team that lost about 29 points, Auburn in yardage, Move not too far, not, not too far, not too far behind uh, uh, Penn State in this game. But here's the difference. Penn State was 5-5 five of five at their red zone trips. They were 4-4 four four, uh, with touchdowns at the beginning. Auburn, they had four drives that ended in touchdowns. Auburn had four drives that ended in two field goals, a turnover, and, another, and a turnover on downs. Penn State averaged more than six yards – I mean, more than six points per red zone trip. Auburn got six points total. One Penn State drive into the red zone was worth more than all of Auburn's drives into the red zone on Saturday. You have to finish your drives, and the difference in this game – was the fact that with two true freshmen and with an offensive line that has been just as much maligned as Auburn's offensive line has been from its own fan base, they had the confidence on the road to say, we're running the ball and it's going to work. Auburn, on the other hand, they ran 10 plays in the red zone yesterday. 11, sorry, 11 plays in the red zone on, on Saturday. Three running back carries for two yards. Two of four throwing for seven yards, a sack for negative five yards, and then two quarterback runs. One went for four yards. The other one went for zero yards. At the most important spots on the field, Auburn did not execute whatsoever. And you can you can you can question play calling, and you can question a lot of the strategic sides of this. But, yeah, execution, when you can't execute like that, that comes down to coaching just as much as it comes down to players not doing their jobs. As, I mean, Brian Harson even said it after the game. We've got to do a better job of getting these guys ready to play on Saturdays. And so when, you, when another team can come into your house and say, we're going to do what we want in the red zone, meanwhile, you can't get much of anything going on when you have scoring opportunities. And then there was that one drive where penalties and sacks and all that pushed them back and then – Ashford throws an interception. It's a red zone trip because it it was in the red zone at one point, but by the time he took the snap, he was at the 24, I think. Auburn had an opportunity to hang in this game. And in the first half, they had their shots, and they kicked field goals. And Penn State scored touchdowns. In fact, in the first half, Auburn, Auburn didn't look as good on defense in the first half as Penn State did. But Penn State had like Auburn had Auburn's first Auburn's first half drives were nine plays for thirty three yards field goal ten plays for forty seven yards interception twelve plays for sixty seven yards field goal 
and they fumbled, and then they run out the half, basically. Um, Penn State's were 6 of 22 turnover on downs, 9 of 75 touchdown, 4 of 16 punt, 11 of 68 touchdown, 3 of 1 punt. 3 for 1 punt. So, like, Auburn got a couple of really good stops that, like, got them off the field. Not turnovers, but they got them off the field, and they had their opportunities to stay in the game, and the offense couldn't couldn't do it. They either had zero execution in the red zone or they just turned the ball over when they had potential to, to move. And then the dam breaks in the second half. Auburn's defense didn't get nearly enough penetration. You know, three tackles for loss against a team that gave up, was like eight against Ohio. Not a great sign. Not getting sacks. And it wasn't even like Penn State was like, well, they were just getting the ball out of their hands quickly, and that's all That's all she wrote. They were they completed some chunks downfield. They did some of the same stuff that San Jose State did on you. And then again, like they said, they ran the ball well. Penn State wanted to make Auburn one-dimensional, and it worked. If Auburn wanted to make – Auburn was not able to make Penn State one-dimensional at all. They were able to go back and forth with efficiency – Pretty easy. That's another thing Franklin talked about after the game. The defense is just – there's good players on this defense, and, and and a lot of these dudes are the same guys that helped Auburn have a chance to win the Iron Bowl. Like I said, the worst defensive performance Auburn has had against a team that's not named Alabama since Johnny Menzel and Texas A&M. Just a breakdown. And I don't want to say I, – I hate playing amateur psychologist – and I hate and I hate when that I hate when sports analysis becomes that. Harson's like I didn't think the attitude was wrong or the energy was wrong or anything like that. And I tend to agree. Auburn was playing hard; they just weren't playing well at all. I don't think I don't think the defense gave up. Like that's 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 my thing is I don't think they gave up. I just think they just didn't play well, and it just piles up because Penn State they got big plays on them. Penn State ran 12 fewer plays than Auburn did. I don't even think the excuse of like, you know, oh, Auburn's defense was on the field for too long. No, they were – I mean, that was part of the thing that Harson said about the red zone and said, well, Penn State got down there quicker than we did. And so they were they were fresher down there. And it's like, eh, good point. Tough to let Sean Clifford just dab all over you for two straight seasons. Yeah, and, and like this one, he got to take a backseat to two true freshmen that were able to run the ball really well against you. To two true freshmen. And look, it was the beginning when Owen almost killed him. <laughs> that, that should have been, boom, the tone setter. And, like, giving up only 14 points in the first half and making the stops that they did, Auburn's defense did a good job of just, hey, they bent. We thought bend don't break. And I know a lot of you hate that. I get it. I understand. They bent, but they kept Auburn in position. And then Auburn goes three and out to start the third quarter. Bang. Right down the field. Penn State scores. Singleton breaks a huge run, punches it into, and it's just the dam broke. It was over at that point. Penn State had was had confidence. They were winning up front, and they were they were able to do whatever they want. So I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, Auburn's defense just quit." I think they weren't p- playing great, and when the other team just kept humming and they made their adjustments at halftime and they made their tweaks, it was over. Auburn, the biggest advantage in this game was supposed to be Auburn's defensive front against Penn State's offensive front. And there were some times where Auburn made some good stops and they slowed down, especially in the first half. 
short runs, runs at the line of scrimmage, made some play, made a couple plays in the backfield. But it wasn't nearly good enough, especially on the other side when your quarterbacks and your running backs are getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage constantly. Yeah, it's going to be hard to win football games when your offensive line is playing as poorly as it as as it did. Yeah, I said coming into this game, I thought the way Auburn wins is if the defensive if Auburn's defensive front wins their matchup like they probably should, and then Auburn's offensive line holds its own. Neither of those things came close to happening, and that's how you get a twenty nine point deficit in a game that was supposed to be close. That's how that's how a game gets blown out like that. Yeah, there's still problems with the coverage. There's still problems with with the alignment on with your linebackers. I think the fits and the missed tackles were more prevalent in this game than it had been recently. And I think your defensive line is good and they've got talent, but it's just it not it's not nearly effective enough. It's it's not nearly effective enough as it needs to be. Um, Auburn's pass rush in this game against Penn State, yeah, five pressures, five. According to PFF, Penn State had 36. Now, I'm not saying that it's all Auburn's defense's fault, but it's like you want those numbers to be a little bit closer to the middle. <laughs> at, at the very least, you want to be more even. It's What does Auburn do well? Right now, coming off of that loss, against a quality opponent, I don't know what it is. I really don't know because again, if you want to talk about running the ball and you want to talk about like Tank and getting the, getting Jarquez Hunter and getting those guys more, go back to the end of last season when Bo Nix was out, October and November, especially November. Auburn did not run the ball against good teams well at all, at all, and they did this again. Was, Auburn's now lost five straight games against Power Five teams. Brian Harson's now three and seven in those games again at Auburn, right? Like you play the toughest schedule in the country. Yeah, we get that. We understand that. But that only applies to a chunk of it in 10 games where you're like, yeah, you know, if you lose those games at this current spot right now where you're at, you're never fine with it, but it's but you can understand it. Yeah. Not Penn State at home. Right, right. Not South Carolina on the road. Not Mississippi State at home. Things have not looked good in a long time uh, for this staff. You got to go all the way back to the Ole Miss game, Halloween week last year. And, like, there were, again, there were times, like, before Bo Nix gets hurt against Mississippi State, the offense looked good at times First in that half, game. Right, right. Obviously, you mentioned the defense in the, against against Alabama. You can't just be a team that beats up, and you didn't even beat them up a ton <laughs> against these non-group five teams and say, okay, well, that's progress. That's kind of building forward. I thought the Mercer game – they showed some signs that it's like things are a little bit different. It wasn't great, but, you know, especially on defense, but like they were showing some signs. Didn't happen at all against San Jose State, and then you get then you get blown out at home against Penn State. Auburn's a better football team than what they put out yesterday, at least in terms of the talent level they've gotten. So you have to so you now you have to question why are you at this point? Why are the execution issues that bad? Why is a team like Auburn getting beat at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that badly to a team like Penn State, who is not known for being a great line of scrimmage team? You know, why Why are those things happening? And Brian Harson will tell you everybody's got to get better, and it starts with him. And that's the correct answer. 
But that doesn't make it an easy answer, and that doesn't make it an answer where it's like, oh, okay, well now we'll just we'll just figure it out and move on. Like, you're probably fortunate if you're Auburn that the team you're playing next week in Missouri, I would say, probably has struggled as much as you have. Like, it, that's the only other SEC team where you can look at right now and they say they've had as much issues. South Carolina, I'm like, well. Georgia's really good, and Arkansas on the road is a tough place. I, you know, Missouri didn't look super impressive against Abilene Christian yesterday. Got smoked by Kansas State. You're fortunate you're playing them next week instead of an Ole Miss or a. I mean, I'd say even state. Uh, state. State ended up. No, LSU ended up winning last night. More than playing like a Tennessee or a, you know, any of those teams. You're fortunate in that the schedule gods have fallen in your favor there, but like it's got to turn around quick. And this team and this coaching staff will continue to preach going one and oh and one game at a time and all that. And if you're going to rally around your guys and yourself and your process and, and everything you've done, that's probably the best way to go about it than trying to be something you're not or do something that you're not. But it's like we said earlier this year, Painter, like I if if this doesn't work out for Auburn and Brian Harson this season. You can talk about how the offensive line problem that he inherited was a big giant red flag and it didn't and, and that goes a long way. You can talk about some of the other recruiting misses and development and all that. But when you double down on your own guys and your culture and your system and all that, and like I said, if you're gonna do if you're gonna be around here, your coach needs to feel like he's doing things his way. Otherwise, it's ultimately not going to work out in the long run. But I don't think you could sit here and say, you know, he didn't do it. If you do things your way and it doesn't work out, <laughs> there it is. Like, there, there it is. I'm not saying he inherited a, a world beater, and I'm not saying there were problems when he came in, and I'm not saying what happened to him earlier this year and the situation that he found himself in and then what came of that didn't hurt. But, man, such a missed opportunity. That that crowd is not going to be that that good again this year. Even if you beat Missouri next week. Even if you somehow beat Missouri and LSU the next couple of weeks. Crowd ain't going to be like that when you come back. Unless you pull off the giant killing of all giant killings and beat a Georgia team that looks just as good as the one that just won the national title last year. They look scary good. Yeah. That crowd's never going to be like that again this season, right? And I thought hey, the environment was great. And then it just it, – the life just got taken completely out of the building in the third quarter. Um, and they And they put – and they should have put so much emphasis on the recruiting angle this weekend because it was that environment, right? And, like – Guys don't make decisions based on when if they won or lost, a team won or lost when they were visiting. But like we said, what's going to get Auburn out of their hole in recruiting is going to be winning. And it's hard if it's hard to see how many more wins they're going to get against good opponents if they play like they did yesterday. I think they can be better, I think they can execute better, but I also think I also think there's a ceiling. I, I because, like you said, like what does Auburn do well? 
you can find things you can get better at. You can get you can improve throughout the course of a season, but like there's gonna be a ceiling on it. If you can't win titles, you at least want to play exciting football, fun football. I think Ole Miss is doing that. Maybe you could say the same for Arkansas. Auburn is not in a position to win titles, nor is it having any fun with the style of football that it plays. And that's a bad spot to be in for for a program, right? And I think especially for Auburn, where your where your identities for so long was like we're the chaotic fun team. I think Alex Kirshner said it on Twitter yesterday. Our buddy said, "You know, Auburn just doesn't feel Auburn. It's kind of boring. It's not good." And it's just like that that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit right uh, right now. And look, that was the thing when Brian Harson was brought in. It's like, well, you can be let – please make us less chaotic in the service of being more consistent and, and build us into a championship team. Well, there haven't been a whole lot of signs of that. And, in fact, it's, it's, it's only gotten worse since he's arrived here. So, yeah, the fan base, I'm sure I mean, people will show up for the Missouri game. People show up for the LSU game, depending on what happens there. The LSU showed more life yesterday than people gave them credit for after that weird game against Florida State. But, I mean, they got to pick up themselves off the mat fast. And every when you get beat by 29 at home and you only score 12 points and you give up more than 40 points at home, in your first big game of the season, that is an everybody thing. That is head coach, every position group, every position coach, every coordinator. Run it down to the GAs. Run it down. I mean, you got to start looking around. If you're, you got to start looking around. If you're the trainers or you're the, you're the, you're the equipment folks, and you just got to start looking around. So, all right, what do I got to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to be better this week because this just and that was a total program indictment. Saturday. That was an indictment of like, this ain't working right now. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it looks very unlikely with what's going on <laughs> at the moment. You can win the lottery. Yeah, you can turn it around. I mean, I mean, and there were several teams in the Gus Miles honor that they would look terrible in, in early in the season, and they'd right the ship and they'd figure it out. Sure. <laughs> but like, where is but where is that going to come from this year? Is it going to be turning to Robbie Astrid and saying, "Hey, bud, you you've got to make the most of the fact that our pass protection is not working. You're going to have to create, and maybe your threat is going to help open some things up for Tank Big, Bigsby and Jarquez Center." Because that's the interesting thing. They're they've played three games so far this season, and in two of them now, they have pulled T.J. Finley after a, a multiple turnovers. And look. Finley's made some good good plays. I, you know, I don't think he has been dreadful. But five turnovers in three weeks. Not all his, not all, not every single one of them. All his fault. Football is football. There's a lot of pieces that play that play into it. It never comes down to just one guy. But it's like Astrid getting that run and Harson saying after the game, yeah, we we considered using uh, Zach Calzada, but we just we wanted to get keep Robbie in there. Think that's a sign, and then he started talking about the combination. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see what happened. And, I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna run the numbers in film room, just kind of see what the difference looked like 
if at all, between the offense when Ashford was on the field and Finley was on the field. And look, Finley, Finley's still coming along. His two interceptions he's thrown have been bad. They've just been bad throws. Bad throws in bad spots. He's he's still new to this, but like, is the fact that he can run and he can evade and he can create more than Finley can? And I thought Finley did a good job of making stuff something out of nothing, especially in the first half. Um, is that going to help you? Is that going to make you a better team? Maybe. Maybe that can be a little bit of a lift. Right now, you only have two receivers that you're really comfortable with. That's a that's another not great sign. Well, can we Trent. run the ball to take any pressure off the quarterbacks? I mean, it does feel like they are set up to fail, given even their own, I would say, uh, glaring shortcomings. According to Pro Football Focus, Auburn had 91 yards after contact. They only had 161 rushing yards in the game. Not what you like. It's like Jarquez Hunter did not have a single, <laughs> did not average a yard before contact. Yeah, no, didn't have a single yard that wasn't after contact on Saturday, and Tank Bigsby had five yards before contact. You can't let those guys live in the back, because as good as Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are at breaking tackles, you got to at least do your job. And, and one of the differences in this game was there were a couple of plays where that Auburn was able to get off and run, get out and run. Like here's like, Okay, Tank Bigsby, this is, again, these are PFF numbers, but Tank Bigsby apparently forced... Six missed tackles on nine attempts, and he had 39 yards. It had, to, it, it had to be him. It had to be him. Nick Singleton, especially, with his two big runs. Those guys did a better job of getting in the open field and being very explosive. They had more They had more opportunities to do so, a little bit more opportunities to do so, but those guys only combined for 19 carries. Bigsby and Hunter had 14. So that offensive line, I, I know for a fact on – on one of Singleton's big runs, they just they created a giant hole for that guy to run through. So like Bigsby and Hunter and and Damari Austin and and, and even uh, Robbie Ashford on design runs, they can create things for you. But like if your guys are getting hit or at or behind the line of scrimmage on on a, on a, all, over, uh, on almost every play, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Like Tank Bigsby can be one of the best running backs in college football at breaking tackles, but that that's going to add up over time. And you're not pushing around Mercer and San Jose State's defensive fronts anymore. I mean, I knew the offensive line was always going to have its limitations, but it is tough when, you know, anytime they get a first down, it's like a sigh of relief. It yeah. feels clunky. <laughs> it feels hard to move the ball. I have no real sense of how they're supposed to attack a defense. I don't know how, how likely it was to ever shore up the offensive line. I know it's hard to get them out of the portal. Yeah. I know it's hard to rely on junior college players right away. Obviously, taking an incoming freshman and expecting them to contribute is not very feasible. So I don't exactly know what solution I'm proposing, but I also know that you knew you didn't have a great situation on your line, and I don't think any real measures were taken to improve it. It was basically the face of like you're you brought back your offensive line coach and maybe continuity in, in the sure. system would would take a step forward. It just hasn't shown to be the case so far this season. And like yeah, the 2017 offensive line had that embarrassing game against Clemson and then figured it out, you know, down the stretch of the Auburn wins the SEC West. But I would also point out that that offensive line had, you know, multiple guys that. Um, 
were really good recruits coming out of high school and you know play ended up playing in the NFL. I guess the thing for Auburn here is it's one game. That's the thing. It's like it's one game, but when you miss an opportunity this big, it feels like a lot more. But if you're Auburn and you're this team, what you got to do is just say, "Hey, correct it, flush it, and like you got to have ne- you got to have these next two. You have to have these next two. John Samuel Shanker said after the game, like, "Hey, some along the lines of like, hey, if we if we win a lot of games from here on out, people aren't going to remember the Penn State game as much, or nobody's going to talk about the Penn State game." That is true, but a lot of hard work and a lot of improvements got to got to come really quickly. And the deeper you get into the season, the less likely you are to make that jump forward, that improvement. So you got to beat Missouri. You're at your place. You're against a team that doesn't recruit as well as you and have had probably similar level of struggles as you have had early in the season. You got to take advantage of that, and then you got to play an LSU team that's still learning a lot about themselves and try to take advantage. And then from there, like we said, Panner, if Auburn gets out of this first five-game homestand four and one or five and zero, oh, you feel better about the rest of the way. They still have an opportunity to do that, but it is going to have to take a lot here really quickly because a lot of people are, a lot of fans are going to be off after this game, and I understand it. I I, I understand it. Like, you get jacked up and amped up. Like, this is a game. I think you even tweeted it. It's like an entire offseason was building up to this one game. This was when you were going to finally see it. And for it to go that badly, that quickly, people are going to tune out. People are not going to show up. They're not going to make the noise in the same amount of numbers. You got to do a lot here these next couple weeks to get get some momentum back. And then, like, in Georgia, it's like, Godspeed. Maybe you can cross fifty. Because <laughs> um, they're gonna, because they're doing this to really good teams. I think I think Oregon's gonna be a pretty good team this year, and they made them look like they didn't belong on the same field as them. So if Georgia gets the ball twelve times and they score seven points on each of those, is that eighty-four? And then I'm thinking at least a defensive touchdown. So maybe ninety-one, and then I don't know. Auburn might. Auburn might get a field goal. We still got the bookstore. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's, tough it's, to get, it's, the, it's gonna look to tough. get the field goal range. But it's going to be like, what is but what is Auburn going to look like as a program coming into that game? Sure. Next yeah, two weeks just, are going to be the, just totally limping into that game? Or is there like or, a little bit of a bounce back? Yeah. You know? You're going to have a little bit of a bounce. You have an opportunity for a little bit of a bounce. One game does not define your entire season. One game does not define a tenure. But if it doesn't go well from here from – moving forward for Auburn, we're going to look back to this one a lot and say, yeah, well, that that showed us a lot. That that showed us a ton of signs. Um, look, I'm not expecting it, but I'll say the the most the really the only fun part of the Brian Harson era for Auburn came after the Penn State loss last year. So, uh, who's to say? The LSU win. You got the LSU oh, win. Yeah, no, it was, it was Georgia State then LSU. Yeah, you, you had a little bit of you had a little bit of scare there. Beat Ole Miss, beat a good Ole Miss right. team. Got an Arkansas win, so there was that that brief month or so. It's also college football where it's sure. like it's like I think a lot of teams have the capability of sucking <laughs> each also, week. Are any teams that good? Like, is Arkansas that Georgia? Good? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Georgia and Alabama are. Georgia's excellent. good. I think Ohio State. I think Ohio State's very good. But outside uh, of that, like I know Arkansas, it's early and teams get better. And maybe if Arkansas played Bobby Petrino later in the year, it wouldn't be so tight. But that was a very funny game to watch and like have 
some care and emotion in the game. Like Miami getting smacked around like they did on offense against Texas A and M. Yeah, so neither of those teams are good. Like USC, like USC might walk their way into being a contender this year for the playoff just because I think they have the offense to overcome the fact that their defense isn't great. Um, and who they play. Like Oklahoma might be good. Clemson, Michigan. Like it, Michigan has not been tested at all. At all. They won't be for like half the year or something. Yeah. What an insane first half schedule. But it's like, it's like in your top ten right now, you have Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Like Michigan State just got punked at Washington. And, you know, what a dummy. BYU just I, got punked against Oregon. I took the Miami points. just got, like, 11, 12, dummy. 13 just got, just got smacked. Again, it's it's all kind of a varying levels. And I can't sit here and say, well, there's no way there's no way a team can bounce back. Because A&M looks lifeless against Appalachian State and then beats Miami. I will point out, though. That at least when A and M looked lifeless against Appalachian, Appalachian State, the defense played well, and uh, that was what carried them in the second game. Not the offense. Jimbo's offense still, <laughs> still not, still not working out. Still not working out. Real defensive slugfest between Kevin Steele and A and M last night. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is real rough. We gotta we gotta take care of some business right here, and then we'll have some have some final thoughts. But if you're listening to this, um, bless you. Uh, I know this isn't fun. I know a lot of you are going to tune out, and I know a lot of you are not going to want to read anything because that's how you are as a fan when things aren't going the way of your team. You just don't need that negativity in your life. And I get it. I under- 100% get it. There have been stretches of my fandom with a certain uh, soccer team in England that I do the same thing. So I get it. I understand it. No hard feelings here. But thank you for listening if you are listening. And thank you for subscribing if you are subscribing to the Auburn Observer. Uh, Not only do you get uh, another podcast, you get our preview podcast um, if you are a subscriber. You can uh, also get all the newsletters. You can get the observations from this game, the mailbags, a lot of analysis, film room. So if you want to wade into uh, the toxic waters with me, you can do that. They feel fine. It feels good. This is like... Uh, counterpoint to your to your statement. If you watch Jameis Winston with the Bucks, good or bad, it was entertaining. All right, we can be this too. We may not be good, but bad can be entertaining too. The water feels fine. Okay, come on in. If you want to keep reading uh, and, and you want to know more about it, because this is, I think, this has the potential to get real interesting real quickly here uh, for Auburn. AuburnObserver.com. It's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. You get twice as many of the podcasts. Even I, I'll say even more than twice as many podcasts. Because I'm not I'm not in charge of booking this certain program, but I would have to imagine that Pablo and Dave and Painter will be saying something soon on Friends of the Program. I would I would imagine that's going to happen here shortly. Um, and remember, like I said, like Painter pointed out in the last one, if you listen to it. Um, whatever they say can't be reflected on me. I'm I'm not their dad. Uh, but man, we wish. <laughs> uh, but yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Subscribe there. Everything we do gets sent to your email inbox. If you like the show and you want more of it, and you would like to read uh, some of my work with that, AuburnObserver.com. Click around, check it out. 
And uh, $6 a month or $6 a year gets you a full subscription. You also get a seven-day free trial if you want to check that out that way. And guess what? There's going to be some more basketball stuff coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, we are talking to Bruce Pearl Monday morning. Um, Auburn basketball getting uh, getting honored on uh, on the field during the quarter break uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah, I mean, I cover basketball. I cover basketball a lot, and um, so don't don't abandon ship completely if you like Auburn basketball. I guess <laughs> guess is my guess that's my I guess that's my my pitch. I'm doing a great job of selling myself here. Um, <laughs> yes, so you can do that. You can support us that way. You can also support us by uh, you can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Painter, tell them how they can do it. Rate, review, subscribe takes like twenty seconds. I know you can just go into that little app, the little Apple Podcast app, search us, rate, review, subscribe. It takes like twenty seconds. Takes like twenty seconds. If you give us five stars and write something down, both of those things help us out a lot. It gets more people uh, on the show, which gets more people in the newsletter, which means you know I keep getting to do this for a living, and we get to make sure Painter can um, you know make this worth his while. Which I don't know how how much I am making it worth his while. Oh but. no, these bush lights are going down smooth, my friend. We've got a uh, we've got. We got several, several new reviews to read. But if you give us five stars and write something in the review, it helps us out a lot. And we're vain people, so we like reading our own praise. But also, we like shouting you guys out as well. So we got a few uh, podcast reviews to do. Here we go. Um, this is from our friend Bryce. It says, despite the fact y'all convinced me that Auburn would cover against San Jose State, and now I live in a secondhand tent and only eat cold Chef Boyardee ravioli, <laughs> This is still an elite Auburn podcast. God save Bruce. Thank you, Bryce. Um, this is from, looks like Morrow MT says, this is the Auburn podcast. Justin provides what is hands down the best analysis on Auburn football and basketball. It's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, Painter provides the true Auburn fan perspective. The new friends of the program episodes make up for my current lack of drunken Auburn commiseration. Now that I've moved to South Dakota. Wow. If you're on the fence about these guys, I guarantee it's worth 100% worth paying for the full Auburn Observer subscription. Very kind. Best of luck to you in South Dakota. Uh, I'm sure it gets very cold there. Winter coat. Got to get a winter coat. Have never been to the Dakotas. I've been to a lot of that area of the country, but the Dakotas are a blind spot for me. Now, South Dakota has Mount Rushmore in it. North Dakota has is basically Canada. Um, so... Shout out to South Dakota. Do you like the movie Fargo? Absolutely. Great movie. Fargo, by the way, uh, it's one of my favorite things about it is that the movie is called Fargo, but it is set in Minnesota (laughs) because the criminals come from Fargo. Finally, this is from Don't Waste Time for My Name. They did a really good job making the account here. Um... (laughs) Do they even believe in work, hard work? Some people are saying this podcast doesn't follow the Auburn Creed. Well, I'm here to tell you otherwise. When I think of the Auburn Creed, my mind first falls onto Painter Sharpless, a true beacon and role model, role model in this dark, dark world. 
Justin and Painter keep me sane after a weekend of watching Auburn football, and I love integrating it into my week. The best Auburn contract by a country mile and a sea of great analysts. That last sentence, I will say, very kind, thank you. But I also want to point out, a sea of great analysts is a great point. This beat's got a lot of really good folks, and we appreciate, um, like I said, I appreciate those guys helping me out yesterday, as always, with uh, with interviews and, and transcripts. There's a lot of really good people covering this team at all different angles. They all bring something to the table. Support them out. We tell it here on The Observer the other thing with our subscription. I'm not going to give you everything. Not a breaking news guy, not a recruiting guy. Go to the other really good people to do that for that. I'll try to give you some other stuff. Um, Painter will try to give you <laughs> some other stuff. I think Painter... I think you Painter, get through the sentence. No, you do give them other stuff. I, they just, no, one else is, no one else is providing Painter Sharpless content. I love that you... No one, else dared, no one else dared to give Pablo Escobar a microphone. No one else uh, gave, dared to let Dave... By the way, is Pablo ever going to get, get a microphone? Or is it... Who, he which has, one of them... He is, has a microphone and Dave got one too. But Dave, okay, Dave has now moved into like a man house. He's got like a, a sweet setup. And uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, acoustics help going on in this oh, okay, new gotcha. building of his. So <laughs> it sounds like he's recording in a phone booth. He should record from an app. Find the only phone booth left and record in it. But no, I again, thank you all, all y'all for reading and listening and, and subscribing. Um, I'm going to try, obviously. to. We're going to ramp up more basketball stuff here in the next month or so just because we're going to get closer to the season. I'm but. serious when I say that I think that this is still going to be entertaining. <laughs> not like Auburn is never boring. You know, like, yeah, the games are probably not going to go how I'd like them to go. But I don't think that we're going to necessarily not have things to discuss. Exactly. So, exactly. I think that's a great way to put stick it. Stick around with this. Stick around with this. Um, also, one more announcement before we go. And uh, Painter will have some last thoughts here. For sure, and I'll, I'll have some last thoughts as well. Um, t-shirts are coming very, very soon. There is like like two more details I'm trying to iron out right now, um, but they will be here very, very shortly. I've seen them. Um, they are going to go up here pretty soon. Um, I am trying to iron out a couple of things, uh, especially as it relates to those of those of you who are our uh, observers, unlimited subscribers. Those of you who pay a little extra to help us out, um, we're going to try to. I am in the process of trying to take care of you guys in some way. I don't know how much, but you know, we're, we're working through that right now um, with the t-shirts. But the t-shirts are there. Painter has seen the design. Painter, I, the t-shirt, I will say this. The t-shirt is is our first shirt that we're doing is, is basic. It's the logo. Um, but I think the vibe and the color and the layout and all that is it's super simple. But it's it's definitely a it's definitely a painter sharpless shirt. Like I feel like I feel like this is a kind of t shirt that he would buy on his own anyway. So I'm if you excited. like painter's vibes, you're gonna you're gonna like this shirt. I feel I feel good about this. This feels like a Friday afternoon shirt tailgating, uh, absolutely also, standing will, over the meats. I will also say this: we are doing a t shirt, and um, the t shirt that we are doing the design is the people who are doing this t-shirt don't usually do that style in terms of the layout and you'll, you'll figure it out when, when we put it out there. But, um, yeah, 
that's coming up very, very soon. So we will uh, hopefully sometime this week, I'll be able to release it out to you. We, again, I'm just trying to iron out a couple more details for those of you who are limited subscribers. Cause I wanted to make sure that we get you guys a discount or something along those lines uh, for it, because you guys, uh, you know, guys have been very, very helpful to help getting this, getting this off the ground. And on top of that, um, a lot of you, when we signed up said, you know, we'll give you merch. This will be a way to, and I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if free t-shirts are going to be the thing this time around, but definitely um, we're going to try to get discounts of some kind. That's what I'm working on at the moment. All right. That'll do it for us. Um, I guess my final thoughts are, are, are as follows. Um, you got to flush this one today on Sunday. Auburn's going to review and learn and try to fix as much as they can. Then I guess Missouri, it's like, all right, well, how, do, how bad does this thing get? Or is there a chance of a turnaround? There's a chance of a bounce back. I don't know if you've ever had as big of a must-win game in week four as this one. Maybe since the 20 – what was that, 2016 LSU? Does that sound right? 2016 LSU, loser mm-hmm. leaves town. Yeah, match. less miles, bye-bye. Another game where Auburn couldn't really do a lot on offense but had six field goals. Um, keep that in mind. Uh, this becomes – I mean, this becomes huge must-win game, and it's not – I'll be interested to see what the point spread comes in on in in this game. I won't say it's going to be – it's definitely winnable for Auburn, um, but they got to play a whole lot better than they did did Saturday. But it's college football. Um, Teams are inconsistent because it's 18, 19, 20, 21, sometimes older, year-old players um, playing a game where the ball is shaped weird and bounces funny. So there's going to be a lot of that to it. But, yeah, this is – this could get really. This could get even more sideways quickly if you don't bounce back and get it here. It's not impossible, but it's going to be very, very difficult. But that's what you signed up for. That's what you signed up for. If you're Auburn, the schedule. You know what it is. You know what it's like being in this conference every year. Even though Missouri shouldn't be in this conference, and uh, you know that's just personal opinion there on my end. But hey, heck, if they come in and beat Auburn, maybe <laughs> maybe they do deserve it. Uh, <laughs> Penn State looked like a team that could that would deserve to be in the the SEC, but I will also point out they're in the only other conference that is set up well for the future uh, right now when it comes to football, at least on the east side of it. Um, read the uh, mail, uh, some mailbag. Uh, film Room. You can read Film Room on Monday. You can already send in mailbag questions. I've already got several of them already because you guys have a lot on your mind. You're not alone. But yeah, we'll have a ton of stuff throughout the week as we get ready for Missouri game. Thank you guys so much for listening and hanging in here. <laughs> uh some of you are gluttons for punishment. Some of you are so mad you turned it off earlier. Some of you are so mad you didn't even turn on this podcast. There was a guy who said he was going to turn the podcast on and have it on mute and let it play just so we could get the numbers. <laughs> I appreciate that. That thank is you. that is very that is very very kind. Um, so if you are that person, you're not hearing this right now, but thank you, Painter. Leave him with it. I think it's I think it could still be fun, folks. It may not be the direction of fun that you hoped for at the beginning of the year, but. I'm hopeful for entertainment fireworks, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs>